This is Dr. John Walton in his teaching on the book of Job. This is session number 21, God's speech number one, and Job's response. Job chapter 38 through chapter 40, verse 5. Now we finally get to the most important part of the book, Yahweh's speeches. This is, of course, the third discourse section, and we've had the Job's oath of innocence hanging in the air as, as we experience the suspense. And so now we find that Yahweh is going to arrive and speak. It begins by saying that the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, the whirlwind. This is usually the accompaniment of God's presence, but it also has the inference that mm, he's not particularly happy with what's going on. And we find, of course, that God does bring a corrective uh, to everyone's thinking. What's intriguing is that he does not respond to Job's oath of innocence. So this cannot be construed as Job having forced God's hand. He doesn't defend his justice, which is very interesting because everyone else has set up the system based on justice. And so what we find is that instead... He takes a, a totally different tact. It, matter of fact, when he starts, you wonder where he's coming from. What's going on? But what he's doing is he's trying to demonstrate the complexity of the world. Even, we would say, the complexity of the ordered world. He deals with lots of issues that are on the very edge, the extreme areas of the ordered world, things that humans didn't understand very well. And by showing the complexity of the world, he's demonstrating Job's ignorance of how it works and how it's ordered. This is important because Job and his friends have been working with the premise that they understand how the world is ordered and that it's ordered according to justice, the retribution principle. What Yahweh does in his speech is that he demonstrates, indeed he asserts, that there is order where people would have thought that there was non-order. Now at this point I need to take a moment and explain my terminology I use non-order, order, and disorder. Non-order is not evil in nature. Sometimes it's called chaos, but that's not good because that suggests perhaps something personified or something that is inherently evil. Non-order is neutral. It just hasn't been ordered yet. Uh, think of a situation where you're moving into a new place and you bring in all your packed-up boxes and set them around the room, ready to bring order to your new home. The boxes represent non-order. 
Nothing is working the way that it's supposed to. Nothing is purposefully placed or accessible. It's just all packed into the boxes. Non-order. Ready to be ordered. Genesis 1 starts with non-order in verse 2. And God's creative acts bring order. So creation is an order-bringing process. Proverbs tells us that God creates through wisdom, and wisdom, as we've talked about already, is the pursuit of order and putting things, understanding things in orderly ways. So non-order is the beginning part of the process. And by the way, that's true in, in almost all ancient Near Eastern cosmologies. They start with non-order. Then you get order. When God creates in Genesis, he doesn't dissolve all non-order. After all, there's an inside-the-garden, ordered space, and an outside-the-garden, non-ordered space. The sea is still there, non-order. And so, God has brought an optimal order. That's what it means when he keeps saying, it is good. It is functioning the way it needs to in this ordered system. Most of the ancient Near Eastern folks talk about this same kind of concept. In Egypt, we have the concept of ma'at, which is order. This is the focus of all kinds of literature in the ancient world, cosmologies and law. Royal inscriptions often talk about how the king brings order. So order is very important. But there's still non-order in the world. People are made in the image of God to help in bringing order. We are partnering with God, vice-regents, participating in his plans for order-bringing. And so we still have non-order in the world. And we have order as God has brought it. But then there's a third element, disorder. And I use that to describe these threats against order that are derived from evil. And so disorder is something that is inherently evil. So we live in a world of order, non-order, and disorder. Job and his friends have thought that all non-order in their lives, suffering and things of that sort, comes from disorder, evil actions. That's the retribution principle. So as God talks about areas of the cosmos that demonstrate that there is even order to non-order, that even things that are perceived as non-ordered have order. Uh, He's showing that they are, Job and his friends, they are not really sufficiently knowledgeable about order to lay out an equation. So in doing so, God refutes the confident formulation of a theory that reduces the operations of the world to a single, simple proposition, the retribution principle. 
In the process, he rejects the idea that justice is the foundation of the system. We can see that when we look in uh, chapter 38, as he's talking about the ordered world. And uh, we start, let me see, have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? I'm in verse 18. Tell me if you know all of this. What is the way to the abode of light? Where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. Notice, by the way, this rings of sarcasm. Uh, I've mentioned the idea that even the Yahweh speeches are literary construct. I don't think we should consider God as engaging in sarcasm. This is put in his mouth to make the point. Have you entered the storehouses of snow or seen the storehouses of hail that I reserve for times of trouble, for the days of war and battle? What's the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed, or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Notice he's talking all about these cosmic operations. And do you know how they work, Job? But look especially at verse 25. Who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm to water a land where no one lives and an uninhabited desert? You see, in the retribution principle, if justice is the foundation of the system, rain has a role in the justice system. It can bring judgment the floods, it can bring prosperity, bringing fecundity fecundity to the earth, growing plants. God makes a point, haven't you noticed that it rains where nobody lives? The rain is not operating here in a justice system. God certainly can use it that way. He mentioned just a few verses earlier, to the idea that he's reserved for times of trouble. So God can use those things, but they don't always operate in a justice system. And so we find here that God is disabusing Job of some of his assumptions as he makes him aware of his ignorance. All of this to show that the retribution principle is not an appropriate formula for understanding how the world works. Job's response to this, we find in the first verses of chapter 40. God says, the challenge, will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Stand forth, Job. Job answered, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice I will say no more. Job acknowledges his inability to answer God's questions. That's not enough. The goal of the book is more than just, okay, we know nothing. Confessed ignorance doesn't get us 
to the solutions the book has to to offer. The book wants to help us develop a conviction about how to think, about how the world is ordered, God's policies. <clears throat> we find, of course, that Job himself has, has spoken ill of God, and God's going to challenge him on that. And we'll pick that up in the next section as the introduction to God's second speech, which is going to not just bring the negative, what we don't know, but is going to give some positive advice and is going to do it through these two amazing creatures, Behemoth and Leviathan. This is Dr. John Walton in his teaching on the book of Job. This is session number 21, God's speech number one, and Job's response. Job chapter 38 through chapter 40, verse 5. 